Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast for SteadyMcKee.com. How's your business going? I mean, really going. If your answer is, well, some of it's great, and well, some of it's not so great, then the first thing you need to know is you are not alone. And there is a way to get more great and less not so great. So check out the 12 Focus Forward Pillars at SturdyCoaching.com. The 12 Focus Forward Pillars are the structure that you need in your business to give you the time and space to pursue your business passion. That's the 12 Focus Forward Pillars at SturdyCoaching.com. So uh, welcome and thank you for listening or watching the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I am Sturdy McKee. I help owners um, bring structure out of chaos and make more money in their business while making the world a better place. We love the invaders, Jackie. <laughs> and I'm your host for the podcast. Today, I'm super excited to bring you um, Jackie Summers. Jackie is the creator of Sorel Lacour and the founder and proprietor of Jack from Brooklyn. Um, thank you, Brooklyn. I said Brooklyn. Um, so thanks very much for being here, Jackie. An absolute pleasure. How's it going today? Good, good, good. Who's your friend there? Oh, this is Bowie, who thinks every Zoom is for him. Of so, course. Yeah, he... <laughs> He's kind of a, if he, he's never seen a camera he didn't like. That's awesome. Well, Bowie is welcome, is welcome. So will you please tell listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? So I am Jackie Summers. I own a company called Jack from Brooklyn, easy to remember. And I am the producer and creator of a beverage called Sorel Liqueur. Cool, cool. So, I mean, I've, I've done some reading. I follow you on Twitter. I know a little bit about the story, but will you please share with us how you got started? What, what happened to make you want to start your own business? Oh, I had a cancer scare. Just about yeah. 11 years ago, my doctor found a tumor the size of a golf ball inside my spine. And he oh. said, you're probably going to die. And if you live, you got about a 50% chance of being partially paralyzed. You should organize your paperwork. Uh, I lived but that, you know, the experience will adjust your perspective. Given the new outlook, I thought to myself, do I really want to do the job that, I've, that I'm doing, that I've been doing for the past quarter mm-hmm. century for the rest of my life? And the answer was no. I, it was time to do something different. And that is really, that really was the impetus behind leaving corporate America behind forever to work for myself. What was it about that job that you were like, you know, that, that revelation that you had that you didn't want to go back to it? It lacked purpose. I will never forget uh, being back in the office a week, one week after they had literally taken a bone out of my spine to take my spinal cord out of it through the hole and do neurosurgery on me getting into a four-hour argument with the photo director because she thought the pinks on the cover of the magazine were too pink and the grass wasn't green enough. And all I could think was, this is what I survived for. I, I can't do this anymore. I, I need something that, that actually matters. Uh, you were talking about coming back to work, lacking purpose, and then that was the impetus behind going out on your own and doing this. But why, why Sorel? Why, why this? So the beverage, which became Sorel, has been around for 
centuries. It's been around for at least 500 years. Uh, it starts in West Africa when they begin to import hibiscus flowers uh, along the spice trade, and they're bringing them literally alongside bodies that are stolen from Africa. And because all of the enslaved Africans who end up in this country have to pass through the Caribbean, this drink, which was known for medicinal purposes, starts to populate in the Caribbean. Uh, it's a natural antimicrobial, it's a natural antiseptic, it's a natural diuretic, it's got more vitamin C than most citrus fruits. Uh, it's, they start to add alcohol in it because British naval officers had a stipend of rum as part of their salary. So they would make this tea for medicinal purposes and put a little rum in it, spice it up. Uh, so every Caribbean family is familiar with this beverage. I've known it since I was a kid. I grew up with it. I had a version of it that I was making in my kitchen for friends and family for almost 20 years. And I will never forget wondering to myself why no one had ever bothered trying to bottle and sell this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I told myself I was going to be the first person to do it. That's awesome. Well, and uh, uh, speaking of that, of being the first person, and by the way, I told a couple of my friends, I wasn't familiar with, with Sorrel and told them and their families are from Barbados and um, in the Caribbean. And they, both of them were like, oh, they immediately, oh yeah, so And they all had stories and started talking about it. I mean, it, yes. it just struck a, it struck a nerve, right? A note. Um, and I was like, well, cool. I need, uh, gotta, gotta know more. But um, you, not only did you, decide you had to do this and the first person to make something along the lines of sorrel and make the sorrel liqueur, but you're the first black person to hold a license to distill in the United States. Is that correct? So the most correct thing we can say is as far as we know, I'm the first person post prohibition to hold the first black person post prohibition to hold a license to make liquor. There aren't really accurate records pre-prohibition they were okay. deliberately obscured so i can't imagine there were a lot prior to prohibition though there were a few i mean we know that we had this knowledge and the mm -hmm. best example of that is the story being told currently by phone weaver and uncle nearest uncle nearest right. uh is an individual who literally taught jack daniels how to make whiskey but was unable to monetize his skill because of the the social structure of the time and his right. story was obscured for centuries so we know there were people who did it uh legally we don't know as far as we can tell right now uh i'm the first black person post prohibition to have this license and and there's nothing special about me i just want to make that clear uh, well, there are incredible barriers to acquiring that particular kind of license. And right. I have a, a particular, uh, I don't want to call it a, I've got a particular gift in that I don't know what I can't do. I didn't, <laughs> if I had known how hard it was, right. uh, I might have approached it differently, but I tend to not let how difficult things are get in the way mm -hmm. of attempting. Uh, so, yeah. Well, now there are, I think, five or six of us around the country. So, yay, progress. 
<laughs> five or six. Well, at least it's around a half dozen. We'll, hopefully, it'll be more very soon. But I just found that remarkable. I mean, we don't see a well, we still do. We see some firsts and stuff, but the idea that you in 2011 got the license and that was the first time, at least since prohibition, had, yeah, you know, wound down. That, that I mean, that was I, I was I was surprised. I mean, pleasantly so in that you were doing it, but still shocked that two, it took till 2011 for somebody to break through that. So um, you said there's nothing special, but that's we'll we'll decide that as we go through the conversation, right? <laughs> so um what so you call here's one question you call yourself a blender and not a distiller so what's the difference between what you do and what most people might be thinking that you do this is actually a really good question a license to distill is literally a license to make alcoholic products so okay. if i take alcohol and add some water and put it in a bottle, that, that is literally what the license lets you do. You could blend it with things. You could make it from scratch. You could do all sorts of different things, but most of the distilleries in Scotland, for example, they're not actually making the alcohol, they're blending it. Most of the craft companies in this country uh -huh. aren't actually making the alcohol. They're buying alcohol from one of the giant manufacturers and they're blending it. So I always want to be clear about what the license is and what it allows you to do and what I actually do with it. If I wanted to have a bunch of stills, I could. Uh, right. I want to do that. There are people like Todd Leopold, for example, of Leopold Brothers, who are just brilliant uh, with uh, with the mechanics of a a a of distillation, I am not one of those individuals. I'm a person who understands the nature of the product, and the product happens to be alcoholic. And in order to put an alcoholic product in, into the market, you need to have a license to distill. Mm -hmm. So I always want to be clear about that. A license to distill does not mean you that you're running actual stills and, and making alcohol, it means you're making an alcoholic product. So what do you do? Tell us more about the blending part and what you do. Hibiscus is a beast in that while it is a very distinct flavor, it does not work well by itself. It's mm -hmm. much too acidic. Uh, most people solved the hibiscus problem anytime they wanted to make a hibiscus product by adding tons of sugar. Sure, right. My methodology was different. I rounded out hibiscus with other spices and botanicals. So instead of it just being the punch of hibiscus, there's the gentleness of uh, nutmeg behind it. There's the woody background of ginger running through it. There's uh, clove and cinnamon adding adding uh, strength and, 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 and clarity to it. So... My specialty is taking flavor and adding it and adding alcohol to it. The, the, thing, that one won't, the thing that one wants to ever admit is alcohol doesn't taste good by itself. <laughs> right. People need to find ways of making alcohol taste good. You can add time to it by putting it in a barrel. You can add 
flavor to it by adding colorants and flavorants. All of the liquor companies are trying to figure out how to add flavor to alcohol. I add alcohol to flavor. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. So um, you've run into a lot of obstacles since you started this. I think one yes. of the, I mean, not maybe one of the larger ones that you've run into was Hurricane Sandy. But yeah, I'd, yeah, sorry to bring that up. But, but I think that's a running theme, though, with entrepreneurs and the people that, that listen to this, right? We, we, we go out, it's harder than we thought. And then there's all kinds of unexpected things that we run into as well. So will you talk a little bit more about, um, you know, if not Sandy, the other things that you've run into and the obstacles that you've encountered um, in pursuing there's, this? There's a joke that I tell, and it's sort of funny, but <laughs> the trick to entrepreneurship is identifying the insurmountable task of the day and surmounting the hell out of it. Yeah. And, and then you have to forget it. Because yesterday's victories don't solve today's problems. <laughs> Whatever you did yesterday, good on you. There's a whole new target you have to hit today that is impossible. And no matter how good you feel about what you were able to accomplish yesterday, uh, I, I think about Ted Williams, the arguably the greatest base, professional baseball hitter of all time. And his motto was, you have to forget the last pitch. Whether you hit it, whether you missed it, whether it got by you, you have to forget whatever you just did and focus on what you're about to do. The people who are focused on either their successes or their failures that just happened aren't focused on what they need to do next. So what can you maybe share with us, though, a little bit more of the, the I know you well, the, some of the challenges you've had with just selling selling direct, because you started this company from scratch, yeah. right? How did you make inroads into in, into selling? Because I, I also checked out and tell me if this is this accurate or not, but you were the number two best-selling liqueur in New York City at one point, right? Right behind St. Germain. If you yeah, were to that's go to huge. That, it's huge. The, the product really stood on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, but how I started was literally walking door to door. You put in a lot of street, you put in a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, shoe leather. Sure. And, and the interesting part was no one actually believed that I was the owner back then. I would walk into retail outlets and restaurants and bars and offer them uh, uh, to try this product that I'd made. And they would tell me that deliveries were in the back. And I would explain that I was the owner and they didn't really quite sink in because no one had ever seen an owner that looked like me before. Uh, and then the New York Times called it Christmas in a bottle and I couldn't make enough of the stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm glad you broke through there. But, um, you know, when you hit something like that and what, what appears, at least from the outside, and this is one of the things we share on the podcast is one of the dirty little secrets is all, as you brought up before, whatever problem you solved yesterday, you've got new ones today, you've got new ones tomorrow. There's, that's part of what we signed up for um, is we're problem solvers. We come out and we do, do new stuff every day. Um, but we also put forward our, you know, our best foot and tell everybody how great and, and we talk about all of our successes. But what, um, so most people might think that when you hit that kind of milestone 
of being one of the most popular liqueurs in, in New York City that your cash flow problems were solved, that everything was, was good. So can you talk a little bit about, about that? I am a, I am a, what's the best way to say this? A proponent of fail up. Okay. You're, I have heard people use the, the idiom, failure is not an option. Failure is not only not only is failure an option. Failure is the most likely outcome of whatever you attempt. You are going to fail. Uh, I have failed over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, and that's fine as long as you don't stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me six hundred and twenty-four versions to find a version of the recipe that became Sorel that was shelf-stable. I am not a food scientist. I don't have a background in food chemistry. This thing has been around for 500 years. You know, around the, around the 500s try of trying to make this into something that was shelf-stable, you start to think, oh, there's a reason no one's <laughs> ever done this before because it can't be done. Um, so I want to say that tenacity is probably the very best thing that will serve entrepreneurs. Uh, but failing up is kind of uh, an art form. You have to figure out, yes, I just failed. What can I take from what just happened that will improve what I'm going to do the next time? And I think making that not just a pattern, but a methodology of doing the thing and finding out what you can do better and employing that, that's the definition of the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really believe that, am I allowed to curse? <laughs> sure. Fuck around and find out. That's what has to happen. It, if, you, if you do not try things that are beyond your ability or your capacity, you will never exceed whatever it is you're, you believe you're trying to do. You have to do things that, you, you, that either can't be done or that you can't do in order to really set yourself apart from the crowd. So I'm always trying to do things that I, that I haven't been able to do or that no one's been able to do. And I try to push my team to do the same. Uh, if you're operating from the place of things you know that you can do, who cares? You're going to be doing the same thing everybody else is doing. Yeah. 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 You, you cannot distinguish yourself by doing things that you know you can do and that other people know can be done. You distinguish yourself by failing until you, until you get it right. Well, I love this idea of distinguishing yourself. There's, there, here's a kind of a quote I ripped off from Dave Rendell, who wrote The Freak Factor, but he said, that excellence by its definition is a form of deviance. And I've yes. always loved that because we, we claim we want to be excellent, but then we try to fit in <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't work. So I am a big believer that the history of progress of the world is some arrogant bastard like myself looking at the world and going, you're wrong. And I realize it's just me, but I know better. The, 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 the earth revolves around the sun. 
someone had to actually go to the people who believed that it was the earth at the center of the a galaxy and go, you're wrong. Right. Someone had to go, oh, uh, your theories about gravity, you're wrong. Someone had to go, uh, women can't vote, you're wrong. There's this whole history of progress that, that starts with someone defiantly going, everyone else is wrong and I'm right and I'm going to keep pushing until the rest of you agree with me. <laughs> I love it because that is, that's the history of the world, not just <laughs> our moment or anything. So, well, so what, what obstacles, what challenges are you running into now that you're, you know, working to overcome? And how are you dealing with them? The challenge now is being able to keep pace with everything going on because running a liquor company is not different than running any company in that it's multidisciplinary. You have to focus on your product. You've got to focus on legal. You've got to focus on marketing. You've got to focus on social media. You've got to focus on uh, your actual finances. You've got to focus on team building. There are all of these different things that are happening simultaneously. And you don't have to do all of them. But you do have to know how they're done and how they're done well and how you can inspire the people who are doing them to be better at them. So I think the challenge for me personally right now is really trying to find what the the people who are working with and for me do well and getting out of their way and still nudging them forward to be better at the things that they already do. So I love that. That's a, that's a huge mindset shift for a lot of entrepreneurs, right? Going, making, and the way I describe it is going from the hardest working player on the field, you know, where you're doing it to the coach. Yeah. Right. And, and you really are moving into that coach role. And I don't, I don't like managers because I think we've all had experiences with managers that may not be, yeah, as supportive or as good, <laughs> um, but most of us have had a really good coach at some point. And can start to relate to that person and understand that in that context of they pushed us, they you know challenged us, they also supported us, they wanted us to succeed, and you know there's much easier to kind of see the balance there. But you just brought up a great point too because the the coach can't be running around the middle of the field doing everything. Nope. I mean, if nope. they are, then that team is doomed to failure. There is a, a popular saying where folks say, surround yourself with people smarter than you. That's not entirely accurate. You need right. to surround yourself with people who share your values, who are differently capable than yourself. Uh, I always tell my team, treat me like a talented imbecile. Like I get at the end of the day, it is my decision, but you're all here because you know stuff that I don't know. And it's, it's in my best interests to listen to you. What dude? (laughs) He was in the background posing a second ago. (laughs) Again, he never saw a camera he doesn't like. That's awesome. So tell me this, what's been your proudest moment in your business? Proudest moment? Yeah. I don't think it's happened yet. Uh, What gives me... What gives me great pride is telling the story of this 500-year journey where this beverage is now getting into the world. 
most black families have an ancestral memory of something which they will colloquially call the red drink. And you go to barbecues and you go to cookouts and there's always a version of this thing. But it does start back in West Africa in around the 1600s and, and, and before that, where they were making this tea from hibiscus flowers. Mm-hmm. And again, the memory of this, while it's within all of us, the stories have been lost. So I'm really looking forward to helping to steward these stories back into our consciousness so people know not just what we do, but why we do it. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you for that. That's, that's awesome. Um, so what, Jackie, what's the biggest thing you've learned recently you wish you had known back 10 years ago, 11 years ago? Trust but verify. Yeah. I will tell you that the mistakes that I have made have been in people. And I trusted people that I shouldn't have. And when you start these things, you always believe that partnerships won't end. They will. You always believe that people are going to be your friends. They might not be. You always believe that somehow you can work things out. And that doesn't always happen. However good you think your relationships are, get it down in writing. And, and 50-50, nev- never do a 50-50 arrangement. It never works. Someone's got to be in control. Even if it's passively, make sure that person is you. No, that's great advice. Absolutely outstanding advice. Of, yeah. Um, the control thing is huge. Even if you're making decisions collaboratively, you know, as a group, there's got to be somebody who's got ultimate say and veto power. Or, yeah, it gets bogged down. That's a great, great lesson. Um, so I'm going to post links to other articles and stuff about you in the description for the podcast because there's the, there's a bunch of good stuff out there and people I know would be very interested in more of your story. But is there any one of those in particular that you would like me to emphasize or want people to check out? There's a great link right now in Uproxx where Fawn Weaver is talking about the Uncle Nearest Fund and how she's choosing companies she wants to work with. Uh, She wants companies that have leadership that don't have the products, that don't have the synergy. Trying to get all three of those things is the magic formula. And I believe that, that is, those are the companies that are going to figure out how to survive and how to thrive. Can you, we froze up for a second. Can you give me those three things again? So the three things that Fawn Weaver specifically is looking for are right. companies that have the product, the team, or the leadership, and companies... I forgot what I was saying. Oh, Sorry. the three things Fawn is looking for, she's looking for companies that have the product, companies that mm-hmm. have the leadership, and companies that have uh, the story. It's got to be... A story. Oh, yeah. 
Product, leadership team, and the story? Yes, you need all three of those if you're going to actually really succeed in today's business climate. If you have the story but no product, what do you sell? If you have the, the story and the, the, the product but no leadership team, you're going to run into problems. You need all three of those things, and I think Fawn does a good job of outlining that really well. And they, so Fawn and her, is it the uncle nearest uh, fund? Are they yes. helping and working with you now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We are a beneficiary of the Uncle Nearest Fund. We're one of the first two. And the lessons we're learning and the speed at which we're learning them is fantastic. Uh, I have never had to adjust this quickly, and it is the most fun I've had in business. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So... Um, I will definitely include that, but thank you for that. And then um, almost lastly, so I've looked all over the place to try right. to find a bottle of, of Sorrel. Um, where can I, where can our listeners get a bottle? On 624, all that will be made clear. Awesome. Okay. Well, by the time this is published, then it'll all be out there. We'll include that in the description too for folks. Um, Absolutely. I, I did. Jackie, I found I found a bottle in Kentucky, but they won't ship to California. <laughs> found a bottle in Pennsylvania. By the, time, by the time this is published, it'll be available in California. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I very, very much look forward to it. Are there any other thoughts you want to leave us with before we wind down? Trust yourself. Trust your team. Uh, be willing to mess it up, but just don't quit. Just don't awesome. quit. Well, well, thank you. And thank you very much for being here. I'm really honored. thought it was an awesome, uh, and you shared a ton of great lessons as well. Thank so you. really, really appreciate, appreciate being here. Listen, have a great one. Let me know how I can help out in the future. When the link is live, I'll post it and help promote. Thank you for listening. <laughs>